Hi everyone, welcome to another Firms Consulting Podcast. Today we're going to focus on the succeeding as a management consulting premium books and the book about the agribusiness sector. So you know, all the books are interesting, but I think the most interesting ones are the one that are the ones that either introduce you to these entirely new kinds of challenges or introduce you to sectors and business models you know next to nothing about. And I would say that this book really put me through my paces. And I think the rest of the team handled it quite well because they have some expertise. You know, when they worked at McKinsey and BCG, they they had this experience. But I had never worked in consumer products. So, you know, consumer products is an industry. B2C is a model I don't fully understand. I mean, I've worked for state-owned enterprises that serve B2C markets, but... Even so, you know, you're, you're tackling things at a strategy level and in a, in a B2C market for state-owned enterprises, is it a real B2C market? You know, very little competition, you have to buy from the government. So it's not the same thing, right? So here, we were dealing for, we were working for a agricultural cooperative in Europe. Now, the book says it's set in Canada. It's not set in Canada. The book is set in Canada, but the, the actual client was a European client, a cooperative. Uh, you know, we're not allowed to disclose client identities, so we give them fictitious settings. And it's an example of a business that had done really well with its brick and mortar structure for many, many years. And had more than that, it had had a constrained and controlled market due to, you know, legislation around e-commerce and so on and then over time the market had integrated so a number of free trade agreements had been signed and economic integration had taken place whereby more better equipped foreign competitors from outside its borders started entering the market but the the the, the gist of the story here was that it came down to dealing with the internet you know if you had to summarize this the study it was about how does a traditional business that had you know known its customers for hundreds of years you know it, it's it serves some of these farms for over a hundred years literally it knows all of them on an intimate basis realizes that loyalty had nothing to do with the fact that it knew them for a hundred years but with the fact that they didn't have any options and as soon as the customers get better options over the internet at cheaper prices finding more information they start flocking to these american customers right and what automatically happens is that same store sales starts declining it starts cratering to the point whereby some of the sales reach such a point that the stores become unprofitable when stores start becoming unprofitable some close which means that your distribution becomes inefficient because previously you had one truck to deliver to three stores in the region and this truck was fully occupied now you've got a truck leaving one-third you know full inefficiencies rolling and the strategy here was you know what does this co-op need to do how does it reinvent how does it reinvent itself for the millennium yeah, difficult challenge, right? And the other thing to remember is that, you know, if you think about agriculture, people like to think you're selling seeds and some equipment. Agriculture has changed a lot in the last few years. You are selling massive pieces of equipment in the developing economy. You've got tractors, you've got farming equipment, right? You've got some equipment that's so large that you cannot sell it, you have to lease it. And there are different models. And the core of this book is trying to understand who the customer segments are and what they need to be served, and what is the best distribution model to serve them. So, is it stores? Do you scrap your stores and you have, or you go completely online? 
Uh, what does it mean for the business now? A co-op, let me explain what a co-op is. A co-op is a very unusual business model where all of the farmers pool their resources to to basically they, they, they it's a collective bargaining technique but they're not a co-ops have a degrees of economic and legal integration they can either be very integrated like what we see in switzerland germany south africa australia and so on or they can be loosely integrated whereby the farmers basically attend meetings together basically carpooling but that doesn't mean that they have any obligation to agree things together now this particular client i think was unfortunately a little bit on the extreme side whereby you know we you would have them attending a meeting and discussing certain things you would think you get an agreement because that's the way they've sold their ability to negotiate and two days later get an email saying well actually we thought about it we sent it we we discussed it with our um uh, members and we realized that most of them disagree so can we rediscuss it now it took me two of such meetings to realize that we we, we don't need to um we shouldn't have these meetings with just a few representatives but we need to have town halls now let me tell you something if you think barack obama and mitt romney had it bad in the town hall you ain't seen nothing yet you take a consultant into a town hall and see what happens to him it is a feeding frenzy right so firstly you look younger than all these people you have better skin obviously they you know, stand out in the sun all the time so you arrive there you try to fit in you take off your tie you roll up your sleeves you're given a speakerphone and you've got to talk them through what is happening i felt that the client ambushed us a little bit here yeah, by 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 not even you know we, as a consultant, our job is not to manage these things. We, our job is to serve the client, and the client is the executive team. Our job is not to go out there and talk to the different members of the Farmers Association who may not even have a high school degree and may not understand what is happening. I'm not saying they're all like that, but there's a fair number like that, right, who you know who worked in the farm their whole life. So this study was unusual because the team spent an inordinate amount of time holding hands and dealing with what I would call, you know, what the industry calls change management. I didn't enjoy it in the least, right? It wasn't fun for me, but I'm good at that. It's it's easy for me to talk to people because I'm quite open about what I'm doing. I generally don't have an ego, so you can insult my mother, call my sister, you know, funny names, and then I will take you out for dinner later. So I think that kind of helped, but, you know, it's not a pleasant experience going through these things. Now, I think it helped that they were calling my sister and my mother funny names in a foreign language, so I didn't exactly know what they were saying. But, you know, beyond that, it was a it was a difficult experience. So the change management side, I, when we wrote the book, the first edition, for those of you who have the first editions, you know that we downplay the change management side, but the second and third editions have a stronger emphasis on the change management side and not in the theoretical way it's written at most companies but really in the practical steps that we took the documents we put together to prove things why we followed that strategy how we move things along and so on right we stay away from theoretical things i don't like that style of t- talking at a conceptual level the fourth edition which is what this podcast is being put out for we also spent a, a, a lot more time i think on focusing on the marketing and sales strategy for the retail outlets because i felt that you know we we collect so much information we can't type up everything but we type up enough of we type up everything but different things to varying levels and what i think we we did a lot of in the study but we never well explained in the book was how we worked out the lifetime value of the agriculture consumer markets because in most ways you work out lifetime value you look at the replacement value of the assets being bought which works in most industries 
but it doesn't actually cater for the fact that what if you deal with an industry whereby you've got this really tight relationship and they're willing to buy from you if you just have the right price then the lifetime value has nothing to do with just the replacement value of the assets but it has a lot to do with the trust between the seller and the buyer it wasn't easy to factor that in but i think that doing that allows the co-op to make better decisions in how it's going to structure its you know, retail outlets. At the end of the day, most of the retail outlets had to shut down. When I say shut down, I don't mean you know you shut them all down. Shut down in the sense that you no longer have retail outlets carrying everything because it's a lot easier to display that information on the internet and your retail outlet becomes more of an information center and a way for farmers to network and collaborate and share ideas and so on. So you have this much smaller, tightly controlled retail centers um, which are no longer staffed by someone who's good at selling, but someone who's good at disseminating and collecting information. So a very different business model. I enjoyed the project. I must say that it has opened my eyes to the complexity of e-commerce and the difficulties companies like Amazon, Apple, and so on face in trying to get consumer products out into a market that's constantly evolving and constantly changing. You know, the, the segment that you thought was locked in two years later is no longer locked in. Now, how do you deal with American competitors or any co competitors for that matter who are entering a market with not just a major cost differential advantage, but also an information differential advantage, which you've never taken the time to garner? You know, in this particular case, you'd have these you know, store managers who were enormously proud of the fact that they knew everything about their client, but they never institutionalized it. So they had no files on their client. They passed it down from son, they passed it down to their son by having their son work in the store in summers and winters or whatever. And the son has it in their head. It's not written down. So the co-op is unable to do long-term planning and forecasting because it has no data on their clients. It's got to call up each branch and say, you know, how much should I order? So for me, it was very interesting to see how data sets, you know, how data matrices can be brought together to, you know, enormously improve forecasting and buying and, you know, basically purchasing power decisions here. Yeah. And I wouldn't say it was easy to do that, right? It's not a question of just telling someone to write down everything you know about a customer because sometimes they don't know what they do know. So it's almost a trial and error process of figuring out the right kind of templates they would use to collect information. And collecting that information took almost three to four years before they reached the point whereby they had enough information that the analysis of that information gave them a you know superior advantage over the American competitors and they could therefore use that you know that advantage to 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 strike back, for lack of a better word. But I would say that when it comes to B2C, it's all about understanding your customers and then institutionalizing that knowledge. Now, for a lot of time, I think companies talk about understanding your customers, and I think that is not enough. You've got to understand your customers and convert that knowledge into a into a mode or into or you've got to basically download it into the nerve center of the company. And if you watch Star Trek, you know the there's the Borg and everything sits in a central processor. You know, the Borg is basically a big cloud before we ever called it a cloud. But this is what it is. And, you know, here you've got all these farmers all over the world running these little stores. And they're not downloading anything into the central process. You've got a basically a Borg ship that actually is a bit dumb. And you want to get a smart Borg ship. And that's basically what we're trying to do here. And companies always talk about understanding their customers based on what you do with that understanding. And this, to me, really opened my mind to the challenges consumer companies are facing. It's about, it's about aggregating all that knowledge. And it's not easy to do. Four years, actually. And, you know, we did the study relatively early. And, you know, when we've been in touch with the client, giving them updated information and so on. And they're still only now starting to get the full value of aggregating that information. But definitely an eye-opener study for us. You know, it, it raised 
our eyes into the challenges B2C companies face. And there are definitely going to be more B2C books that will come out in the future.